Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the JMO Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Michaels. Our guest this episode, we have Forrest Leach from Moorhead, Minnesota on the show. It's the first time having Forrest on. It's very fun to get to know him. He's a young guy, fishes a lot. And getting to know him, you know, kind of get to hear where he grew up and just some of his fishing passions. Uh, that being said, this is a little different episode, a little different interview. Forrest is, is uh, a boat salesman. That's his day job. So we're going to get into that a little bit. And uh, this is, it's a pretty interesting conversation. You know, just buying and selling boats has definitely been a hot topic in the angling community for a handful of years now. Uh, Some of the topics around just how expensive some of these new boats are getting, but people are still finding ways to to buy them. And uh, I'm just interested in some of those topics. Forrest has some great explanations, just some good perspective on the boat market. But there's definitely some topics that Forrest touches on when it comes to like, you know, buying and selling the used boat market and, and you know, finding good opportunity uh, on the boat that you want and just kind of the ins and outs of, uh, you know, things that we do upgrades in our boats. So, you know, some of the customization that we do to our boats on our own you know, are we really thinking about the next buyer's best interest? Are, are we looking at resale value when we're doing some of these things, customizations to our boats? Um, if it's a forever boat, that's a different deal. But if you think you're ever going to sell your boat, there's some definitely some topics uh, that, that Forrest touches on in this interview that are very interesting, could be very, very helpful uh, in the buying and selling process for you down the road. And, and also just some of the buying new, you know, just some topics around... You know, if you're gonna if you're budgeting for a brand new boat and you're gonna order something or you know, you're looking on the on the the new boat line, like there's just definitely some things to be uh, sort of thinking about when you're in that uh, arena. And it's a very interesting conversation. That being said, it's not completely void. Uh, this interview is not completely void of fishing conversation. Just getting to know Forrest and talking about you know some of his passion and expertise, we definitely touch on some really cool you know just some fishing. Um, but, uh, yeah, all that is to say, this is a very interesting, kind of a different interview with Forrest Leach, uh, about the boat market here in the Midwest. Uh, and yeah, a lot of great things here. So let's get into it. Forrest Leach boats. Everybody listening to this podcast has a passion for the outdoors. Wouldn't it be great? Or have you ever even thought about how great it would be? to live and work in and around like-minded people, making a difference, contributing to the resources that you love so much, the North Dakota Game and Fish Department is hiring. If you're just starting out, if you're looking to build your resume, seasonal wildlife and fisheries technicians are the perfect way to gain experience and spend the summer with cool people just like you. If you're currently sitting in your office, you're sick of staring at the same four walls, enough is enough. Join a team of elite outdoor conservationists and become a district game warden. If you or somebody that you know needs to learn more about these opportunities, head to the link that is in the description of this podcast. That's gf.nd.gov jobs. This episode is brought to you by Devil's Lake, North Dakota. Devil's Lake is one of North Dakota's premier outdoor recreational destinations. And to find out more about what the lake and the community of Devil's Lake has to offer, head to devilslakend.com. That link is in the description. 
but I'm definitely excited that uh, neither of us really particularly know exactly where this is going to go. And um, so, yeah, I just want to put that out there that these are extra fun for me. But Forrest, Forrest Leach, um, you're Moorhead, Minnesota. Tell me a little bit about yourself, like, uh, you know, where you're located, where you, where you grew up, where you cut your teeth in fishing. What were some, you know, some meaningful life experiences in fishing that, you know, just kind of uh, would kind of describe who you are as an angler and your passion and just kind of, you know, uh, everything that revolves around that starting from the beginning, man. Go ahead, if you will. Yeah, so I grew up here in Moorhead, Minnesota. I'm still living here now. I uh, spent a couple years away up in northern Minnesota, but back here again. Um, grew up right along the Red River, so fishing was really kind of at the heart of my uh, childhood growing up. It's always been something that I was really super interested in. Um, been in and around boats since I was big enough to walk. I remember growing up, my dad had a just a little 16-foot lawn. That's kind of what we got started in. And then, you know, as I got older out of high school and stuff and able to have my own vehicle drive around and stuff, I obviously needed a boat um, and just got into bigger and newer boats kind of as I grew older and they've kind of become something that's been a really big part of my life and um, that led itself kind of into my career. Um, I've been selling boats, helping people buy boats now for about five years, um, specifically Lund boats, but I love them all. Um, and yeah, they've just been a huge part of my life and they're uh, a really, really fun toy for, for really anyone. Do you feel like uh, you grew up with like a home body of water you know, like somewhere that kind of really, you know, a, a sort of a playground where you really cultivated fishing? Yeah, so if I was to kind of call out one or two places as kind of my home waters, I would really put it into two spots. One being, of course, the Red River of the North. Anyone that's kind of familiar with it, um, the Fargo area here on the Red River is really a world-class catfish, channel catfish fishery. So I've spent a lot of time on the river growing up and that's been kind of my home water, but in a more traditional sense, as far as lakes, which I feel like a little more people are kind of used to that uh, Detroit lakes, Ottertail County area. I spent a ton of time on there pretty much every night after work when I could get out for more than just a couple hours, I was out on the lakes there. Um, super diverse, really good kind of multi-species opportunities um, really sets you up as a kind of a jack of all trades fisherman, being able to cover all those lakes panfish walleyes bass and then obviously the the catfish deal on the river here i feel like it made me uh, pretty well rounded overall and um now as i've gotten older i've kind of transitioned into traveling a little bit more i love getting out fishing new places some of those more uh, kind of destination fisheries but still really have a lot of my i guess fishing experience and kind of know how to uh i gotta give credit to kind of my growing up you know detroit lakes area do you feel like you have like a specialty or like a favorite or, or just anything about yourself? Like, like, uh, as far as like, maybe like a technique, a strategy, maybe a time of year, like, like, uh, like what would be like the thing that you got dialed in the most you feel like as far as like fishing right now? Oh, if there's a, if there was like a technique or a scenario or something that I wish I could do all year long, it would be, those first two weeks of Minnesota walleye season, you know, those last couple weeks of May getting into early June, um, that shallow water, water's still a little cold, not a lot of vegetation coming up yet. Um, that's kind of my bread and butter. I love fishing, you know, shallow sand flats where you can see a fish really good on side imaging. Um, it's a ton of casting. You're not doing a lot of trolling, rod holder stuff. So it's really kind of an interactive bite. Um, that's really what I, you know, I live for that. And that's, if I can repeat that, you know, that technique and that bite over and over, I would do that nine times out of 10, that, you know, early season, shallow water, jig fishing. 
Now you're a relatively young guy. Like I'm kind of making assumptions here, looking at pictures of you, you know, like, like that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, do you, do you feel like you're kind of a new school guy or an old school guy? Are you like heavily into electronics? You looking for fish, um, you know, before you ever get your, your line wet? Um, or are you the kind of guy that can just put the bow mount down and beat the bank till you find fish? Like, uh, like, do you feel like you're new school or old school? Um, you know, I'm 28 years old and I think I definitely lean more into that new school side of things for majority of stuff. There are a couple of times where I'll kind of lean into some old school tactics, but I'd say far and away, I really lean into the new school, um, technology heavy. I'm a definitely like a big gear junkie. I love tinkering with like the latest and greatest tackle, latest and greatest electronics and that's kind of why I really fell in love with walleye fishing in particular is because you can make it as, you know, technical and gear heavy as you want. Um, you know, catfishing, like I grew up, there's really a kind of a ceiling for how technical, technically you can make it. You can kind of go overboard with electronics and stuff, but it doesn't really advance you any further. It's not really catching any more fish where walleye fishing, um, you can really lean into those technologies, those new electronics, things like that. And it definitely, helps you to catch more fish, find more fish. So I've kind of taken a liking to that, being able to, um, you know, really deck out your boats, deck out your tackle, deck out all your techniques to really um, utilize those things. Um, so I'd say I'm definitely on that new school side of things. I, I don't cast until I've seen fish. You know, I love spending a lot of time side imaging, using my forward-facing sonar to really dial in spots. Um, so I feel like I'm not, you know, wasting time just fishing empty water. I love kind of looking for that next where the biggest fish are, where the most fish are, really hunting them down. Yeah, dude. That's like a really well, like self-aware way of describing that. And I really appreciate that, man. Like still just kind of getting to know you here, like you, you know, your mentors or maybe, um, you know, you're, you're kind of in that new school. You're kind of at that age where you kind of grew up probably with the internet at your fingertips for the majority of your life or your fishing, you know, career, you know, did, did you look up to certain individuals? Like, did, you know, you, you, you talked about your dad, you know, your family, you grew up fishing in a small boat together. You know, I think a lot of people can relate to that for sure. Um, did you have any other mentors that were close to you or, you know, did you consume content? Do you consume content now? Like, tell me a little bit about, you know, sort of how you gather and develop skills. Um, you know, just, uh, I, I guess I'm just like, really, I'm just really curious, you know, somebody that is, sort of at your experience level that, um, and we're going to continue to get into like what you do for a living and all that stuff. Cause I, we haven't even touched on that yet really, but like, I, I just feel like somebody at your age, you, 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 you're kind of unique in that way. And I'm just curious, you know, like somebody like you, um, you know, where you would sort of gather some of your, some information or maybe not at all. Maybe you're just an experienced guy, but what, what can you tell me along those lines about yourself? Yeah, I think I'm kind of fall right into that window or that generation that we were right kind of at the forefront to when content was really really blowing up so kind of like you touched on and like a lot of people probably can relate to I spent a lot of time growing up fishing with my dad and that was who I you know learned a lot from and looked up to a lot and then as kind of YouTube started to really get more popular and a lot of that fishing content started to become more available um, one of the biggest ones which a lot of people can probably relate to also is uncut angling I absolutely fell in love with that content and I was like, Oh my God, this is, you know, the coolest thing ever. Just the energy, the way that he, you know, the way that he fished, he wasn't just going out, throwing a rod on in a rod holder and waiting for a bite. He was out looking for him, making it happen. 
that really, you know, attracted me, that style of fish. And I really wanted to replicate that, duplicate that as much as I could. So that's been a big uh, influence, I guess, when I first started to get into the more, you know, technical side of fishing. Um, beyond that, um, a couple of buddies that I spent a lot of time fishing with up in the Grand Rapids area. If you follow like the Minnesota AIM tournament series, you've probably heard of them. Dylan Mackey, um, Randy Topper, Colt Anderson, all these guys up uh, hang loose outdoors is what they go by. Okay. They've been a big influence on me. Just kind of teach me a lot of the hands-on stuff and, uh, kind of follow along with them and getting more into like the tournament side of stuff. They've been a really uh, big influence in that part. Yeah, dude, that's awesome, man. Now let's, let's transition a little bit into what you do now. Tell, tell me like kind of, kind of as far as like in the industry, the position that you occupy, you know, as far as that goes, like what your job is, where you work and, and, and just sort of how you got into it and just kind of where you're at there. Yeah. So kind of my connection really to the the fishing industry is, um, my title would be boat salesman. Um, I don't like to say sales. I like to say I help people buy boats. Um, I, uh, in college, um, the Marine, uh, dealership here in Moorhead was hiring for a parts guy. So I jumped in there and started doing that for a little while and then, uh, transitioned to a sales position and I've been doing that for a few years and I love it. Um, I get to talk about fishing every day. I get to talk about boats, get to see the newest, latest and greatest boats every day get to help people deck them out and set them up exactly for what their, you know, scenario is exactly how they like to fish. Um, and that's really fun. It's something different every day. Um, and I get to kind of see all the the newest technology on the water and have a little bit of a hands-on kind of influence in it. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Boat sales is a crazy deal. I've never done a show where we really talked about, I've talked, I've had a couple of shows that were super well received talking about like boat rigging. I definitely got to do a little bit more of that. So hopefully we can touch on that a little bit. Um, you know, I love talking about lithium batteries. I've had a couple of great shows there. Um, you know, and just talking about battery power and just kind of how to utilize that and all the new electronics and, and that sort of thing. But the, but the boat market itself, I've like never really, really talked about it. So, I, I mean, I, I would love to just really dig into that and just anything that you find to be like interesting or relevant in your own mind, uh, through your experience and your job, I, I'm all for it. We can go any which way we have to, but I, I would love to just sort of get, you know, a little bit of a, like, sort of like a status update. Um, you know, maybe like a little bit of a, a synopsis, on the boat market as it stands today. And, and even, even if we have to talk a little bit of history or however you want to, however you want to attack it, there's a couple of topics that I think we should definitely dig into. Um, but we can start wherever, you know, you're the expert, so we can start wherever you think we ought to, but man, yeah, give, give me, give me a little status update on the boat market here in the Midwest. Um, as far as, uh, you know, the way you see it. Right. It's, it's hard to kind of put a, put a finger on what, what normal is as far as the boat industry goes and, and the market. Um, but, you know, right now I would say we're kind of starting to near that normal mark again, you know, whatever that really means. Um, but obviously over the last couple of years, especially right around that COVID timeframe, things really went crazy and, you know, RV market, any recreational market really kind of followed that, but the boats, boats, especially, um, kind of a mix of, you know, low supply due to manufacturers being, you know, whether they're shut down a little bit, had fewer workforce, um, you know, employees, along with the higher demand from more people, you know, either remote working or being outside more, that really kind of skyrocketed things. Um, I think we're kind of starting to get back to what things were like before that. 
where we've, you know, we've got inventory on hand that's available. It's not backed up six, eight months. Um, and the prices are kind of starting to, I'd say, you know, plateau or level out a little bit more, more normal compared to like the, the quicker increases we saw back in those COVID times. Very, very interesting. You see these huge price tags on the new boats, and I feel like you see more new boats around now than like ever before. You know, like you're 28 years old. I'm not that I'm uh, older than you by enough, <laughs> but like you know, like growing up, I grew up in Ottertail County. Like you know, every lake was just loaded with boats. Like very few people had the brand new boat. You know, people bought uh, maybe a newer boat, but like everybody always took care of it. It wasn't like you know, like that just is like people were regularly, you know, going through boats like like they would a vehicle or something like that, where it was like, you know, there wasn't so many new boats uh, um, out on the water as I feel like there is now. And maybe that's just like just a perception. Maybe I'm like almost, you know, maybe I'm wrong on that, but it just feels like I can't believe how many people are buying the new boats that are that have these huge price tags on them. But at the same time, the used boat inventory um, has been all bought up, right? Like, and, and it's, and so it kind of makes it hard there too. If you're trying to buy something, you know, you, you almost kind of, you, if you see something that you like, you, you got to jump on it. Um, you, you can't sit and haggle, like they're going to get what they want for it from somebody. Like it just feels like the wild west out there as far as like trying to, you know, trying to get your hands on a boat. Yeah. The, the prices of new boats are obviously usually the first topic of conversation where people are thinking of them because it's a, uh, sometimes it can be kind of a sticker shock. You see this boat and it's, you know, home at Holy cow, this is more than I paid for my first house or yeah. whatever. Um, and you know, a lot of that is the big, you know, flagship model, 22 foot boats. Um, and I think a lot of the reason we're seeing a lot more new boats as a percentage on the water compared to maybe years past when there was a lot more of the used boats, um, for one, manufacturers are having like a wider array of boat models. So it's not, you know, I've got a entry-level boat, a mid-level boat, and a high-end boat. Now they're kind of filling all those gaps to really fit um, a boat for everyone. You know, if you're kind of in between a level, you know, I want to go maybe a little bit bigger than this, but not quite stepping up to the highest end. They've really kind of got a boat for everyone. So that's been a little more, you know, attractive to buyers being able to really find something that fits them exactly instead of getting to something that's not quite what they're after. I think that's been a factor as getting more new boats on the water. Um, that along with new materials in boats nowadays, they're really making them um, as a lifetime boat. Um, before, um, obviously with the different materials, boats had wooden floors, wooden transoms, different things like that, where now a lot of these boats are 100% wood-free. So people are buying a new boat that's something they can really have for the rest of their life. It's not something that they're going to have to replace, you know, 10 or 15 years down the road. Um, yeah. And then on the, you know, finance side of things, which we've seen in boats, RVs, whatever, um, it's really been easier than ever to get into boats with, with the length of terms that a lot of banks are willing to do on boats. Um, right now, obviously the interest rates are making things a little interesting, but those are kind of starting to trend downwards. Um, but um the you know finance side of things has really made it possible for people who might not be able to get into a boat um, now making it a little more attainable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that really explains exactly what I feel like I, I interpret when I'm out on the water nowadays. Even my home bodies of water that I grew up around, it's like, man, I just can't believe there's all these new boats. But yeah, I feel like you're spot on, especially with the selection of new boats. You know, like historically you know, you know, these boat companies, you know, they had a, a, a handful of offerings or they had that flagship 
boat and and maybe one or two others in in certain categories you know but um yeah nowadays when you when you open up like a crestliner catalog it's like a page turner you know yeah that's a pretty wild that's, that's really one of my favorite parts of what i do is there's so much kind of customization really um obviously when you get into just the um appearances obviously the colors everything like that but it's really beyond that being able to really kind of customize your layout your size um, different motor options um, and then obviously getting into all the rigging but just on the boat itself you can really kind of customize it exactly what you're looking for um, and I think that really helps the consumer being able to have a whole wide variety of brands to choose from and then even within those brands just all the different options as far as setting up the boat to fit exactly what you want not just kind of getting one, two, or three options that they have. So it's kind of like a seller's market and a buyer's market at the same time. You know, it's like, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's been a good little run here uh, if you're selling boats, but at the same time, if you're buying boats, there's never been a better time to get exactly what you want. You know, if you if you can uh, if you can negotiate all that stuff in, or just actually know exactly what you want. Um, you know, yeah, you know, you can. You got more options than ever. I think that's great. Talk about a little bit about the used boat market. You, you know what? What have been the more interesting things as far as you know what you've seen? Um, you know, in the last handful of years that this whole boat market's been so chaotic. Uh, what have been some of the more interesting topics there around, like you know, trade-ins or just buying and selling? Uh, you know, on the private side, like just the whole used boat market. Yeah, the used market is a whole whole another beast kind of in itself. And um, we are starting to see that kind of start to level off and correct itself kind of after the crazy few years. Um, obviously, a few years ago when just physically getting a boat was so hard, anyone that had a boat in their possession, new, used, whatever it was, was, you know, that was at a high demand and that was a high, high dollar, high ticket item. Um, that demand has kind of started to wane a little bit and people are, um, able to shop around a little bit. They're able to take their time a little more decision-making, not having to just jump on something just because it exists, um, which has been good for buyers. And um, there is also a seller's side of the market too. Boats are still, you know, with the price of new boats and with um, how nice really some of the used boats are, some people aren't having to go buy a new boat. You know, maybe five, 10 years ago, a used boat um, was maybe not as uh, high quality um, it's kind of hard to compare, but, um, you know, a used boat that's maybe five years old now, you know, that was an excellent boat five years ago. That would have been a new top of the line boat. So there are really a lot of good options for people if they don't want to go new. Um, the used market is a really good place to look. And there's lots of lots of good options to be had, I guess. Devil's Lake, North Dakota is one of North Dakota's premier outdoor recreational destinations we talk about the fishing all the time on this show but to find out what the lake and the community has to offer which is way more than we ever talk about on this show you can head to devilslakend.com and get all that we're talking about the lodging and restaurant options and just the lay of the land and everything going on in the community there's all kinds of stuff all summer long going on in and around the community of devil's lake also our favorite the fishing tab It's going to give you real-time fishing reports, directions to fish cleaning stations and boat landings and shore fishing piers, which are awesome, by the way. Also, it's going to give you a list of options for boat rentals or guide services and bait shops. Everything that you need 
to plan your next adventure in Devil's Lake is at devilslakend.com. That link is in the description of this podcast. Everybody listening to this podcast has a passion for the outdoors. Wouldn't it be great? Or have you ever even thought about how great it would be to live and work in and around like-minded people, making a difference, contributing to the resources that you love so much? The North Dakota Game and Fish Department is hiring. If you're just starting out, if you're looking to build your resume, seasonal wildlife and fisheries technicians are the perfect way to gain experience and spend the summer with cool people just like you. If you're currently sitting in your office, you're sick of staring at the same four walls, enough is enough. Join a team of elite outdoor conservationists and become a district game warden. If you or somebody that you know needs to learn more about these opportunities, head to the link that is in the description of this podcast. That's gf.nd.gov slash jobs. I feel like I feel like we definitely need to like sit on on this used boat market for a little while because I feel like a lot of people I think that that's where a lot of people are are at or or, or might be curious or more interested in and I feel like there's a lot of things that I, I personally would love to be more educated on um, and and I might have some really dumb questions here just because I don't know but with used boats like when you're buying when you're selling you know like rigging boats is such a popular thing nowadays where especially if you have a boat that's a few years old like the amount of add-ons you know it's like you know when that boat was sold new it was set up in such a way and I feel like it's 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 so common nowadays where it's like, oh, I want to get another graph. And and you just plug it in, you mount it somewhere, and you just find the power source and you know, you you get it going, um, you know, with what's there and and you and then you keep going. And then another transducer comes out and then we just add that on, you know, and then so like these boats are just, you know, especially these used boats, um, you know, to, to, to stay up with the times, there's just a lot of add-ons on these used boats, but then, but there's some stuff on them, you know, that's, that's kind of getting outdated. I've talked about that on past episodes, talking about like rigging boats with, with wiring, um, you know, and then, and talking about, you know, just there's the, the different ways of powering all the advancements in battery power and, and newer trolling motors, like, like the whole gamut of things, like how does that, you know, fit in when we're talking about used, the used boat market itself, what are, what are some interesting things that you feel like would be good things to educate, you know, the lay person like me on in terms of that? Yeah. The, the used market can really open a lot of doors, especially for people that like to do kind of that DIY stuff, um, or really are gear heavy, obviously on a brand new boat, a lot of times the dealership isn't going to you know charge you a lot extra to install these items so used or on new boats guys are just taking advantage of that here i want you know this boat with a b and c graph go for it um on a used boat a lot of times especially from a private party that's kind of all up to you um and you can you know really have the ability to save a lot of money if you're doing that stuff on your own um used boats a lot of times are going to come basically pre-rigged however the previous buyer had them set up that's usually how he's going to sell it so you kind of have the opportunity to shop around for one that's already you know, set up for how you want to fish, you know, the, Hey, this used boats already got a trolling motor, two graphs. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Ready to go water ready on the other side of token. You know, if you're a guy that says, Hey, I want to be able to be, have a boat that's got all this new technology forward facing sonar, 360, you name it. 
but I don't want to spend the money on the brand new boat. You can find a five, 10, 20 year old boat, whatever, and then set it up with the same technology that you could have on a brand new boat. So that's been pretty popular. Um, it's kind of a theme I've been seeing with guys saying, Hey, all this technology is pretty, pretty, you know, spendy. I don't want to add that on top of a already expensive boat. So they're saving a little money, a little bit of money, maybe on the boat side and able to kind of invest a little more onto that technology side. Like if somebody's in that scenario where they go out, they, they either have a boat that's a little bit depreciated, you know, in value, but they, but it, it's, it's the boat they want at the price that they want whatever their boat payment is, or maybe they just, you know, they can avoid a boat payment by, you know, buying something that's in their price range, but they, you know, but they're going to put their money and investments into the electronics um, and, and just in some of the gadgets, you know, whether it's trolling motors, whatever, new batteries, like maybe break that down for me a little bit in your perspective of things that people should, you know, maybe be doing, um, or maybe some mistakes you feel like you've seen people make, like, 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 where can we go with, with that part of the conversation? I feel like a lot of people can relate to that, hopefully. Um, and this would be pretty educational, man. So like, like, what are some things that people should be looking to do or looking for when they're buying a a used boat that has some of those add-ons put onto it? Yeah, that's with all those add-ons on the used boats is where we can kind of get ourselves into trouble sometimes. Um, obviously, one you know one scenario is you find a little bit older boat, but it's in really good shape. It's really low hours. It doesn't really have much use. Um, so to you, it is a very new boat. Um, and, you know, let's say you put on a live scope, you put on a couple graphs, you do all this extra work to it, um, and then maybe in a year or two you decide, hey, um, you know whether whatever's changing i want to go to either a smaller boat bigger boat something different i want to go sell this boat um now all of a sudden you've got this 2006 boat that's got you know let's say ten thousand dollars worth of add-ons to it at the end of the day it's still you know a 2006 boat um so it gets a lot harder to move and resell those boats once you've done all this extra work to it so it is kind of a line you want to try not to cross if you're ever considering resale you know it's if guys are saying, Hey, this is the, the boat I'm going to have the rest of my life. Absolutely. Go ahead, deck it out, you know, go for it. Um, for me, I usually only hang on to a boat for a year or two. So I want to be careful about not overdoing, doing it with the accessories because I got to kind of have the next buyer in mind. So that's kind of something to think about if you find that really sweet deal on a used boat. Um, and then you go deck it out, either plan on running that for a few years because the boat itself is usually not, overly difficult to get a lot of your investment your return on investment back on when you resell at least it has been historically Um, but all those add-ons with how quickly they're almost becoming obsolete with how quickly electronics are depreciation totally right it's hard to get your return on those so you got to kind of weigh the options of hey am i gonna sell this boat just bare bones and take all my graphs off and put them on the next boat or am i going to kind of set this up where the next guy is going to be able to buy it and maybe make some of that money back on my resale. It's kind of the fine line you gotta you gotta run, um, because you know, at, like I say, at the end of the day, it's still a 2006 boat, no matter how many graphs you put on it. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, that's a fantastic point for sure. Let's use you as as an example, because again, I, th- I think maybe some people, um, you know, just you know, whether they're gonna they they want to sell a boat, whether they're planning on selling it or not. I think describing that sort of a strategy or mindset is going to educate people in the right way. You know, talking about like you, for example, you know, you, you like to run a boat for every couple of years uh, and maybe you maybe, um, you know, trade it in, you know, or sell it, 
and get into the next thing. What are some of those things that you feel like, you know, um, you know, some of those decisions that you're making when you're looking at a boat versus just decking it out with anything and everything, your wildest dreams. What are some of those things that you see, uh, you know, personally in your experience, what are some of those decisions that, that would probably be a little bit more conservative and help you in terms of, you know, holding on to that value and better dollars spent, if you will. Right. Yeah. So kind of my mindset and how I've been kind of doing it. And we see a good handful of guys doing it kind of along this same template, I guess, is I'll run a boat for two years or so. Cause a lot of the manufacturers um, basically bout a stern warranty is three years, three to five years is pretty common. Um, so I'm having a boat that always has warranty. You know, if I sell it within two years, I have warranty no matter what. And then my next one has warranty. So I'm never getting in that gray area of, okay, now if something goes wrong, I'm gonna have to pay for this out of pocket. The other nice thing with doing that kind of flipping every couple of years is I'm able to set it up exactly how I want it with new electronics and I'm able to roll it in my loan with the boat, which is really helpful. Um, and then I'm able to have those updated electronics all the time instead of saying, Hey, it's been two or three years since I've got these. Do I want to strip all these off and try to sell all these graphs and then buy some new stuff or just sell it all with the boat and get the next one? So kind of how I do like to set my boats up. This last one I went a little overboard with, a little electronics heavy, um, but I would, you know, tell people, I guess, set it up how you would expect somebody to buy it if it's something you ever expect to resell. So one thing that I've seen people do, um, obviously with the attraction flooring, stuff like that, if you put it in the boat, I would say don't, you know, don't put your name in it. Don't put a bunch yeah. of stuff in there. Put something where it's kind of universal, where someone else will say, hey, this is cool, but it's not too personalized as to somebody else. Um, same with a lot of the accessories on the boat. A lot of boats now have like track systems for putting in rod holders, things like that, where before guys were having to drill holes into the boats, all that stuff. And, you know, the next guy down the road might say, hey, I'm not a troller. I don't want all these rod holders. Now all of a sudden I've got holes all in the boat from where rod holders are mounted. So having those kind of forethoughts in mind when you're modifying or accessorizing your boat, um, making it as either easy to kind of revert to original as possible or as sellable in its current condition as possible. Oh, man, I think that's great advice. You know, and talking about the financing, that's definitely, that's a big part of it. I mean, you work at a dealership, so you, you know, like you probably have great advice in that, but in any way, shape or form, if, if buying boats is in your budget, um, having a, having a good banker or somebody that you, that you trust and communicate well with on the banking side of things is probably a tremendous asset and helps with everything that we're talking about. What are some, you know, without, obviously we're not trying to like, uh, you know, pick on anybody or anything like that, but what would you say, or maybe some specific examples, do you, do you have any things in, you know, sort of like a memorable or, or just some, some examples that stick out in your mind of, of boats that, um, you know, maybe some mistakes that somebody made or, you know, maybe got caught off guard. They, they thought they were doing something nice for their boat and it hurt them. Like, like what, what would be some specific examples or stories that, you know, just to kind of, you know, for people to relate to and just to kind of hear and, and, um, you know, you know, just something we could all learn from anything like that. Yeah, there's a few kind of, you know, one-off stories and stuff that come to mind. Um, but kind of the biggest one that I've seen, I guess, more t- more than one or two times, and it's been kind of a common theme, 
um, is under underpowering a boat. Um, it's something I come across a lot on guys when they're looking at a new boat and they say, Hey, I'm, you know, maybe looking for some ways to save a little bit of money. I'm going to go with, uh, you know, the 150 instead of the 200. Um, and on the outset, it seems awesome. You know, Hey, I'm saving a couple grand, whatever it may be. Um, but there's very few instances I can think of that down the road, the guys are like, yeah, I'm so happy that I went with the smaller motor instead of, you know, what the boat's rated for. And that'd be one thing to really look at if you're buying a used boat that's underpowered or, you know, if you're looking at a new one, not maxing out the horsepower. Um, a lot of the I guess justification or reasonings guys have behind it is they think, you know, smaller motor, I'm going to use a little bit less gas and then I'm going to save a little bit of money. Um, realistically you don't end up really saving much on gas because that smaller motors having to work that much harder to move that size boat where the, you know, the bigger motors gonna not have to work as hard to perform the same. Um, and then whatever you might've saved on the purchase, you're going to just give up in the resale. So that'd be kind of the most common, I guess. Um, I don't know if I call it like a mistake, but like an oversight maybe, yeah. um, on a new boat is trying to save a little bit by not putting the, you know, proper size motor on there. Any other of those, like, you know, um, just sort of things that you talk about with, you know, you and your, and your colleagues and your coworkers, like, you know, things that you just see in the industry, as far as the used boat market that, um, you know, uh, you know, things to look for, uh, when you're buying something, um, you know, as far as like wear and tear, like, you know, little, little tips and tricks, uh, you know, to kind of see if, um, everything is working right. Uh, like, like, like what are, what are some of those things along those lines? Or, or when somebody comes for a trade to trade something in, do they talk to you or like, like, what do you look at when you're trying to value a boat for trade in at your, yeah, I guess some of the stuff that we look at on a boat that's coming in on trade, or, you know, if I was to put myself in the shoes of someone who's looking at a private party boat for sale, I'd say anytime you're looking at a boat that's used, if you have the ability to get it out on the water with the guy selling it, that is, that's huge. Not only are you going to be able to physically run the boat and see if it's really, you know, the right fit for you and what you pictured, you're also going to be able to really be putting the boat through a real world um, test run. So you're seeing how the motor runs, you're seeing how the boat performs, making sure it doesn't have any weird leans or any, you know, misfires, anything weird like that. And then obviously any leaks, anything, um, so being able to actually get it out, do a real world test is really huge. Um, if it's wintertime, you don't have the ability to do that. Try your best to, you know, get it in a shop where you can hook it up to a garden hose and run the motor. Um, any boat we get in here, we actually fill the hull of the boat with water so we can see if there's any leaks coming from anywhere. So that's something I'd, you know, urge you to try to do if, if you have the ability. Um, and, you know, maybe if the seller's really not wanting to do that, that might be a kind of a red flag to watch for. Um, but, you know, just like with a used car or anything else, doing a really good thorough inspection of, of everything, making sure everything works, checks out. Um, just uh, any big obvious stuff, you know, a lot of the cosmetic stuff, I tend to not really worry as much about myself because, you know, if a boat's like already got a little scratch on it, I'm not as worried about getting another one on it and, um, I think more of the, the stuff that's a little more important to look for would be that, you know, mechanical and functioning, functioning stuff like that. So making sure everything runs good, make sure there's no leaks, all that stuff's good to do a real good, uh, good inspection of. Yeah, dude, I think that is phenomenal advice. And I think that, you know, talking about like the cosmetic stuff probably hangs up a lot of people, you know, like, um, you know, but at the end of the day, the fish don't care if there's like some, some dock rash. I mean, you know, you know, it's all relative that that can probably reach a certain level where you might want to think, well, that maybe that's too much, but yeah, like some scratches, 
ought to not slow you down from getting a boat if everything else is right and tight. Yeah, those are those are some of my favorite used boats, really. If we get, like, a really nice 10-year-old boat, whatever, and it's got a little carpet wear and some dock rash, those are some of my favorites because, for one, the aesthetic you know, issues that the boat might have is going to allow whoever's buying it to save a bit of money over one that's just in cherry condition has never left the garage, but he's going to have the same performing, same functioning boat as a boat that is shiny mint condition. So those are, those are some great boats, especially out in like the Dakotas where the guys are trailing them down gravel roads and they're going to get all chipped up anyways. Um, I would almost look for a boat that's got a couple dings and scratches over a perfectly clean one anyways. Yeah. Yeah, dude. But a brand new shiny one is pretty dang fun. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's almost like, I don't know, and, and maybe this is just like kind of my my life experience where I come from, how I grew up. Like, I, I feel like I don't know if we have to necessarily give as much love to the brand new boats because I feel like they get enough love. Like, they're awesome. Like, brand new boats are awesome. Like there's right. never, it almost goes without saying. Yeah. 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 So, so I'm, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you kind of said that I, I, it'd be worth just sort of throwing that in there. Like, like anybody listening to this, like I'm sure there's plenty of people listening to this that have the latest and greatest. They got brand new boats. Like, like, uh, yeah, like that's awesome. That, that, like, that's awesome. There's probably, we probably have, you know, less to talk about in this conversation. Um, you know, uh, uh, you, you're, those, those boats are good. Yeah. Those of course boats are the, good. <laughs> the latest and greatest brand new boats are, that's my bread and butter. That's what, you know, puts food on my table and pays my bills. So I know they want to forget about those, but I also want to, you know, first and foremost, I want to keep the customers in mind and, and, and not everybody really, you know, has that ability to go and say, Hey, here, I want this brand new 22 foot tournament boat. So there, there's really is a boat for everybody, whether you're buying new or used, and we got to keep that whole kind of market in mind. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And if somebody that's never bought a brand new boat in their life, they, you know, they might get have that sticker shock, you know. But if you've got a good solid boat, it's paid for, it's been paid for. There's a market out there. Like, swing in, have somebody like you take a look at. It. You might not even realize what you could get for trade in and get into that brand new boat too, right? Like talking about the financing side and just the whole market in in a nutshell. It's like, you know, for, for you know the whole. Um, you know, yeah, everything's just valued really well. It seems like so. Yeah, if you've the, never bought a brand new one. Maybe the maybe the time to even ask that question. Maybe you never thought about asking that question, but maybe the time is now. You know, it's like everybody's got different situation. But yeah, yeah, and and getting into a new boat really is, you know, more attainable now than than ever. Um, with how you know how boats hold their value a lot longer than a lot better than you know vehicles and stuff do banks are able to stretch those loans out a lot further because they know they aren't depreciating at at quite a rate as a a new car does so that's something that i think people might not know or might not consider um and then obviously if you do already own a boat and you're looking to either um, sell it or trade it in they do hold their value pretty well so you might be holding on to something that's worth more than you than you might even realize so a lot of it's kind of been the common theme over the past few years guys that have had boats for x amount of years are are getting rid of them for what they have into them or sometimes even more. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I do. I think those are interesting. I think it's interesting times that we live in, in that regard, uh, for sure. Um, you know, like you said, they, they don't, they aren't, uh, 
They aren't depreciating at the same rate. So, you know, you get that sticker shock. You kind of made this point right away in the podcast, but it definitely, you know, it's definitely something that will kind of stick with me. And hopefully, you know, people are hearing it right. But, it, you know, the, it, it, as expensive as these newer level boats are, there's never been a better time because of selection. You know, they're, they're, it's just every single boat brand has a catalog of, of offerings. Um, and then, you know, as far as financing goes, like, it's the same thing. Like there's never been a better time, um, you know, to be approved for some of these. So it, it is a big price tag. Uh, but for many of us, it's obtainable. And I think the proof is out there. Cause you know, again, like I, like I said, when I started this talk, conversation with you it was like, man, I go back to my hometown. I go around to those lakes. I've never seen so many new boats. And, uh, you know, so something's got to be going good for, you know, some people. Um, right. And uh, yeah, so I mean, there's definitely there's definitely something there. There's never been a better time to buy a forever boat than there is now, uh, than right. it is yeah, now. So great, great, great sort of points to make and, and uh, things to remember. And yeah, definitely just a great message for this. Um, you know, we're doing really good on time right now. We don't have to like dig in anything else. I feel like I, I definitely got covered some really great topics that I think are going to be influential, educational to people. Most definitely, definitely some things to talk about. Uh, definitely some things to think about, uh, you know, for each individual in their own situation. Uh, but, you know, the boat owners out there, um, definitely, uh, definitely the boat market is a big topic of conversation in the industry. So I'm glad we were able to do this. What, what else should we touch on? Anything boat related, anything fishing related, any, anything, any cool fishing that you've been doing lately, anything like that for like a one or two minute closer? Um, yeah, as far as fishing goes, I kind of don't ice fish a whole lot. I'm so, uh, addicted to the boating and open water side of things. I'm just really looking forward to getting out the boat this spring. Um, probably make a few runs out to Fort Peck. That's probably my favorite annual trip of the year you know do some lake trout jigging and i'm um, just yeah looking forward to some warm weather we've been pretty spoiled this winter so it's hard to hard to kind of knock that but i'm uh i'm ready to be in the boat yeah dude i'm not gonna argue there um i'm not going to uh i'm not gonna spat on that you know <laughs> ice fishing is definitely the deal right now that's the season that we're in but um it's also that time of year where we need to be sort of yeah, if you're going to be in the boat market whatsoever for spring, now's the time to be having this kind of conversation. You got to have these things on mind, on the mind all the time. Yeah, I'd say kind of a, I guess, a big takeaway, if anyone could take one, you know, takeaway from this is there really is, you know, a boat out there for everyone, whether you can kind of believe it or not, you know, and whatever your budget is, um, there really is an option for everyone. So that's, if you've been discouraged, if you've been shopping and you're not really finding the right thing, um, you know, I'd say don't give up. Don't just think this is a, a rich man's game by any means. You know, I'm not going to pretend I'm the person that just goes and writes a check for a boat. I absolutely lean on the, the financing and all that stuff. So there really is a, an option and a way for, for all of us to get into a boat, which is, I think it's really, really cool. And remember, the fish don't care what kind of boat we're in, so you don't have to like try to impress the fish into biting. It's uh, you know as far as your boat goes, um, and so yeah, whatever whatever the price range is, whatever your budget might be, um, you can catch a heck of a, you know it might might not be a, a, the type of boats that you deal with, but if somebody had twenty five hundred bucks and lived in uh, the pothole region of North Dakota or South Dakota, you could probably buy a boat to catch you all all kinds of fish. Uh, right so it's much, like you know, yeah it's the whole any, spectrum any budget can really take you as far as your 
uh, as far as you're willing to be creative, you know, we all started somewhere. My first boat was a 10 foot John boat with an eight horse Mariner. And I had a heck of a lot of fun in that. And I'm sure a lot of people listening probably have some, you know, similar, similar stories. And, you know, it's cool to look back and appreciate those moments and, you know, realize, Hey, we don't need to always have the latest and greatest, even though it's something to look forward to and work towards. And that's a really awesome goal to have. We all do, you know, start somewhere and, you know, work our way up. That's it, man. That's it. I think that's our closer right there because a lot of people are a lot of people are smiling when they when they think about that. They think about early on in their career. They figure think about that first boat they had or the boat that their dad or grandpa gave to them when they were a kid. You know, something that was, uh, yeah, something, you know, the old beater that that just went around and pounded <laughs> the bank. No electronics, like all that, man. Like I think everybody hopefully has some kind of a story like that because uh, yeah good times for sure good Never memories gets you on the water yep yep all right man well let's just close it out this way promote yourself a little bit you know where if people have questions they want to look you up anything in that regard uh, anything that you want to just like throw out there or shout out um, you know uh, your socials or whatever it is go ahead yeah if anyone's looking for me Forrest Leach I'm on Facebook um, and Instagram um, if you're looking for more of the boat side of things, stop over to Ray's Sport Marine here in Moorhead, Minnesota. We've got five locations in Minnesota. I'm specifically at the Moorhead one. Stop by there and chat and check out some boats. Otherwise, I'll uh, run into you on the water. That's it, man. 